Good morning. Thanks for braving the roads today and choosing to be here. I am sure that we have more sliding in to the parking lot right about now. Um, but we certainly want to pray over those that are out there on the roads trying to make it to worship this morning. But again, thank you for being here and being on time. So you planned ahead. Well done. Good job. Um, I hope you have come today ready to engage the presence of the Lord. Let's not waste our time together, but let's really make it a point that we open our, ourselves up to the good and pleasing and perfect will of our God. Can we do that today? Good? Yeah? All right. I felt like that was a general consensus, so we'll just go in that direction. And uh, I, I am convinced that he's got good things in store for us and even for you personally today. I hope you received one of these on your way in. It is full of helpful information, so I would encourage you to take some time and look through that and see if there's some places, some, some ministry opportunities that would be a good fit for you. And one of the things I want to talk in particular about this morning is tomorrow morning, we're going to have a funeral in here. And um, this, this is a family that's been through a, a terrible tragedy. And uh, a 24-year-old young man took his own life last week. And this is a family that's been in and out of our church fellowship here for the last 10 years. And I, I, I really want to make it a point that we bathe this family in prayer, first of all. Um, the Morgan family. So if you would add them to your immediate prayer list over the next 24 hours. Perhaps there are some here that would be able to help do some ministry tomorrow morning. We have our um, some of our guys here to help with, um, uh, with, with the service, but, but we need some assistance with some folks that that might be able to help with, with the luncheon afterwards for the family. We're planning on feeding about 30 to 40 people. And if that's something you would be able to do, I wish I would have planned ahead on this, but um, if you will just contact me, if you want to get added onto that list, that's something that you would be willing to do tomorrow morning. Uh, actually, that will be in the afternoon. The, the funeral starts at 11. We plan on serving them lunch between 1 and 2 p.m. So if that's something you could help us with, please contact me, and I'll make sure and get you in touch with um, the people that are organizing that. But it's the Morgan family, and we want to, we, we really want to come around them and minister to them. And, and, and my prayer is that, that in the midst of this tragedy, that they will fully turn their faces to the love and grace and mercy of Jesus and allow him to comfort them and, and, and really uh, I ultimately hope that as well that they will find their way back into our church family here. So we're, we'll make a point to pray for them in the midst of this service. Thank you for coming. Uh, let's stand together, greet one another, and let's join together in worship as we celebrate our Lord and Savior.
Okay. Superintendent should have called a snow day, but he didn't. And we are here. You've chosen to be here. You took a huge attempt to get here. So as Brian's already said, let's don't waste our time today. It's a good day.
promises of God. The cool thing about God is he is a God of promises. That he says things and he has no desire to change his mind. Can you think of any promises that he gives us? He promises us to, he promises us to never leave us to never forsake us to never turn his back on us he promises that he is coming again to set up his new kingdom you got one you want to yell out? Come on. What is a promise of God? That every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Everyone in all eternity will be face to face with him. Anybody else? I had in mind like 25 of these, so we could be here a while. I didn't get that one. Never leave or forsake. should be worth at least three. I will heal their land. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise. Oh, does it feel like he's forgotten you? So
seated that that lyric you're my supply 
You're my reward worth living for. You're more than enough. All I have in you is more than enough. And I think if we were 100% honest this morning, probably 95% of us can say, I don't know. I feel like I need more. And I, I often run to, to more, to different. I think our world is set up to just cause us to want to run other places. We run to our spouse, we run to our boss, we run to money, we run to TV and comforts, and we run to Fox News, and we run all these places that really leave us just more thirsty, right? song says his love really is there to satisfy totally and yet we don't really plug in all the time Jesus says he says in uh, Matthew 11 we've heard it we've heard it once we've heard it a thousand times some of us and I want you to hear this morning clearly that Jesus is asking you to come, come to me. Come to me. Don't come to my president. Don't come to whatever you run to. Come to me, all, everyone who's tired, stressed out, burdened. And I, Jesus Christ, will give you rest. Take my yoke, take my way upon you and learn from me. For Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. You will find rest for your souls. For my way and my yoke is easy. And my burden does not weigh a lot. My burden is light. He's inviting you this morning to come to him, to open up your hands, to open up your wallet, to open up your life and your future, to open up your relationships. Lay it on him. Lay it on him. I just want you to rest right now in that. I want you to speak to God, and I want you to use these, this word, these words that Eliza is going to sing over us. I want you to use this to talk to God about your heavy burden.
give you some time right now just to breathe. To rest. To know that He is God and that you are not. You just take a moment now just to lay your stuff before Him. Father, it is good to be quiet. To be okay when it's quiet. Will you help us to be okay in the loneliness, in the fears, in the grief, Even when there's blessing and prosperity, goodness all around, teach us to rest and be okay. To just not do one thing right now. decide that this week.
Pastor Brian started last week an oldie but goodie. And it's a snow day today, and we can do whatever we want. We're going to sing it again. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in His presence
paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life. died my soul to save my lips shall still paid it all 
today for who you are and we honor you today for what you have done our freedom is because of your sacrifice our joy our celebration today is because of what you endured our hope today exists because Because you love the world so much, oh God, that you gave your one and only Son. And Jesus paid it all. He paid our debt. And there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is why we can celebrate today. We are covered by the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. Your praise is on our lips today. And we find that resting place in you Find it right now, in this moment. We release, we release our burdens to you. Choose to let go of them and entrust them into your care, into your way, into your good and your pleasing and perfect will. We press into that now. There's so much that, that we don't understand, so much that we don't comprehend, so many answers that we're still looking for. But even in the midst of all the unknown, we rest in you. And we come to you now asking that you would minister to those who are in great need today. We especially lift up to you the Morgan family, James and Jennifer, especially in the midst of this terrible loss. I'm asking that you will come around them, that you would soothe their pain. Fill them with hope and comfort. May they know your presence right now in this moment. I ask that tomorrow as the 
friends and, and family of the Morgans come and gather in this space, that just as your spirit is here in, in his fullness, that it, he would be here tomorrow as well. For there will be many, we are assuming, there will be many that don't know you, many that come into this place and they are lost and they, they don't know hope like we know it right now. They don't know you as we know you. And I'm asking, oh God, that you would fill this place with your spirit, that when they walk into the doors, that they will encounter you. And that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that, you, that you are God, that you are King, that you are Lord, that you are Savior. And that you long for them to be included in this. That you are inviting them into hope, into relationship with you. I'm asking, and I know when I ask this, it's right in the, in the center of your will that tomorrow would be a day of salvation. Thank you for hope in a world that is filled with hopelessness. We are your people called by your name. This is your place. We gather here because of you. And we center ourselves on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's in Jesus Christ's mighty name we all pray and everybody said, man, you may be seated. As you're being seated, I want to invite our ushers to come and join us up front as we prepare to bring our tithes and offerings. Jesus, we thank you for the provision that has come. We honor you for that. And we thank you for the provision that is yet to come. We honor you for that. Today we ask, take what we have to offer you. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name.
I want to invite you to the book of John, chapter 2, Gospel of John, chapter 2. Over the last couple of days, we move into the third day, as we will see right at the beginning of chapter 2. Over the last couple of days, Jesus has begun building his team, gathering his team around him, his, what we will come to know as his apostles. And here we are, we find ourselves on, on the third day, it says, right at verse 1 of chapter 2. On the third day... A wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to Jesus, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother Mary said to the servants, Simply do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he, and he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper stuff later, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and he stayed there for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of the cords and drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, Are you kidding me? It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need 
any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. What a, what a way to launch into ministry. Just following, beginning to build his team. And, and you know, John, when, when, he, when John writes his gospel, he really takes a whole different approach than what Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their gospels, we know them as the synoptic gospels or the ones that are synonymous with one another. And, and John just kind of has this other path that he takes. I mention that because there's not necessarily a, a, a chronological order that John necessarily follows, but we do see it right here at the beginning, and then we do see it at the end. So when you continue to look through John, you don't see any more of his team being built. So I think it's safe to assume that maybe he's already gathered all of his disciples by the time this story shows up. The last couple of days, though, we have only seen conversation about about five of them. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, I guess that's six. Um, so about half that we know about that John accounts for. But he doesn't account for the rest, so maybe we can assume that his team is fully built. Nonetheless, they, they show up to this wedding. In fact, if, if you back up a little bit, you'll see um, at verse 43 of chapter 1, it says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So he was heading to this wedding as he was gathering his team around him. He was heading to this place. And he shows up to Cana, a little town in Galilee, and, and understand, this is, this is Jesus' home turf. Okay, this, this, is, this, is his, this is the hood for him, okay? This is his neighborhood. And, and so these are, these are likely very close friends of, of Jesus' family, possibly family. But it's important that he shows up to this wedding, and his disciples are invited along with him. And they run out of wine. And that's a major social faux pas on, on behalf of the one that is hosting this wedding. And so Mary pulls Jesus aside and said they, they, they've run out of wine. And he's got this strange response. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I struggle with this phrase because... It sure seems like his hour has come. After all, he's already been gathering his team, and, and we know that the, the story unfolds. He, he goes ahead and does this really amazing miracle. So what is he referring to? And I'll, and, and I'll continue to be honest with you that I, I dug and dug and dug, and, and I really couldn't find any real clear answers. And maybe this is one of those questions that we'll just have to wait and get what the answers are on that glorious day when we meet him face to face. But there are a number of assumptions that have been thrown out there. But clearly Jesus arrives on the scene and, and, he, and, he, and he carries out this amazing miracle. 
And, and it, launches into, uh, it launches into the disciples that are following him. They believe and it launches them into this ministry time when he goes into the temple and, and he's performing all these miraculous signs and people are believing. So, so his time, as we would see it, has come. But there's something, there's just something about his interchange with his mother here that is, that's just a little interesting. In fact, he doesn't even refer to her as mother. Instead, he uses the word woman. And maybe this gives us a little bit of clue as to where, where he's at or, or perhaps the line that he's drawing in the sand. That there's a, there's a change in the relationship now between him and his mother. He's drawing a line and he's, he's separating himself from, from that particular relationship. And we, we can support that with scripture because, you know, there's that story where he was teaching and, and his mother and brothers uh, show up on the scene and he's told, hey, your mother and brothers are, are outside. They're wanting to meet with you. And he's like, who are my mother and my brothers? They're right here. So we can support that there's, there's a shift in Jesus' mindset about who his family is. And perhaps this is where he draws the line in that sand. I'm now going to refer to you as woman. And it's not disrespectful, but it's just making you understand I'm, I'm moving into messianic mode now. time hasn't come yet and her response she doesn't debate she doesn't argue she doesn't even ask she doesn't even say well why are you why are you referring to me with that term now she just simply turns to the servants and she says whatever he says do it that is a very dramatic statement and perhaps it's the kind of statement that comes before us today. In fact, it sounds a lot like some of the statements we've heard over the last couple of weeks. Whatever he's been telling you, do it. Whatever he's been speaking to you about, do it. Jesus turns and he sees these water pots. They're just ordinary water pots, just and, and they're and they're used for hand washing. Nothing special about these pots except for the fact that they're used to wash hands. His instruction is simple: fill them up. So they did, and they filled them to the brim. Now, I want you to draw out of that pot, and I want you to take it straight over to the master of ceremonies, to the master of the banquet. Now, this is risky. This is, we're, 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 in, we're in risky place here now with, when it comes to the servants. Because they're, they're drawing water out of these pots, and they're taking it to the master for him to test, to drink. And in the midst of this ordinary moment, the, an extraordinary thing takes place. 
The master drinks, and it's not just wine, but it's spectacular wine. It's the best of the day. Something happens where, where the ordinary is suddenly turned into the extraordinary. All the servants have done is simply done what has been they were told to do. On the third day, Jesus turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. Boy, I can't when I when I hear that. When I hear that picture, I can't help but fast forward to the other third day. When he had taken the results of an ordinary Roman cross. And he turned it into the extraordinary of his resurrection. This is the kind of work that Messiah is in the business of. Oh, a wedding is, is, is a time to celebrate, yes. But in the midst of, of this ordinary wedding even, the extraordinary begins to unfold. Messiah arrives. Messiah shows up on the scene. Messiah begins to do the miraculous. And we understand that this is his first miracle performed. And, and because of this, the disciples believe on him. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And he moves from this extraordinary event into the temple. And just kind of throws a fit. What are you doing turning my house into a den of thieves, a marketplace? It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And he just kind of goes crazy and he, and he cleans house. And when they're asking him about his authority, he takes the imagery of the temple, this, the place that he's standing in, the place that he does this event, and he points to without them knowing it, he points right to the heart. I'm going to rebuild this whole thing. In fact, I'm going to take the ordinary that you are standing in right now, and I'm going to do something extraordinary. This whole thing, yeah, it took 46 years to pull this off. In three days, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do something in, in, in the time of three days, and you'll see it happen. Something extraordinary is going to take place. And we should know. 
that at the moment that he died on that Roman cross, the, the physical temple was affected. He wasn't in the temple. The, the crucifixion did not happen in the temple. But you should know that at the moment that he died on that cross, the temple curtain was torn in two. He kind of wrecked that place, if you want to put it that way. What does Paul tell us? The, the, the temple is not a, a physical building anymore located in the Middle East, located in Jerusalem. That's not where it's at now. The temple is right here. Jesus was talking about that almost from day one. After he was raised from the, the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Right from the get-go, Jesus is in the business of taking the ordinary and doing the extraordinary. Well, I wonder if that might be what he longs to do in our stuff. in your life, in your circumstances, in your drama, in your pain, even in your good stuff, even in the great stuff? What if, what if he were still allowed to accomplish the extraordinary? If we would just allow him to fill us to the brim with himself. Do we really believe that all of you is more than enough for all of me? Or is it just a clever little tune that we like to sing every once in a while? Perhaps it might truly become our testimony, our declaration, our reality. And it might require, it might require him to clean house a little bit. It, it might require an encounter with Jesus where he comes to his temple and he begins to work his way through some of the mess. That is the extraordinary at work. The fact that the God of all the universe, the holy God of all the universe, would come and would encounter us, would, would engage us, would come and 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 walk through our sinfulness, our failure, our struggles, our, our bitterness, our, you know, just kind of all the, the, the bad side of who we are would come through and, and would work his way through in a cleansing mentality, in a, in a cleansing power. And transform us 
from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Jesus, we encounter you today. And in the midst of our encounter with you today, we We relent. To this miracle working power that you want to release in us. But the truth is about us, we're just regular folks. We're just regular folks who are making ourselves available to you. Longing to be filled by you to the brim. Longing to become the temples of your Holy Spirit that you have created us to be. In the midst of this reality, we we relent to your way. Realizing that it it might require you to work your way through us, through our stuff, through our junk, through our garbage. It might require you to clean house. And it might require you to clean house again. Maybe it's for the tenth time or the hundredth time, whatever. We just make ourselves available to you now. Longing for, hoping for, that you would do the extraordinary in us the ordinary. While you're processing that church, while you are allowing him to speak to you and accomplish that in you. I want to invite our worship team back up because I want us to sing more than enough one more time. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you are accomplishing in this place now.
In a moment, I'm going to say a blessing over us as we depart from this place. But there is uh, one announcement I want to make. Michael would have made this announcement himself, except he's on security duty right now, and he's outside, out in the snow, protecting us. So you can thank him for that on your way out. Michael um, has gone through a number of transitions, uh, one major transition from our youth pastor to uh, recreational young adult pastor, but um, he has turned in his resignation to us, and the reason he's done that is because he's got some things, uh, personal things that he's juggling. A lot of it has to do with his time, and um, so he's stepping down from staff member um, role here at, at our church. Doesn't mean he's leaving. He's still teaching his Sunday school class. Um, but he's stepping down as professional pastor here, and um, so he wanted me to announce that to you today, 
And I'm hoping that on your way out, when you see him, will you take some time to thank him for, uh, was it six years of full-time ministry that he's accomplished here? And he's done terrific work for us. And um, so we, we bless him for that, and we bless him in this transition time that he's in. And uh, know that he's got terrific years of ministry ahead of him. But as of this morning, he is uh, no longer uh, on our staff. And so we want to honor him for that. And unfortunately, we can't do that personally here. uh, But maybe we'll be able to pull him up front and thank him next week. But on your way out, please thank him for all of his years of service here. And uh, bless him for that, okay? And if you have any questions... Go to him with those. Okay. Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you and especially a prayer of protection over you as you get back out onto the roads. It's a dangerous commute for me um, as I walk across that parking lot. So pray for me as well. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you to the brim this week. Have a truly amazing week and a safe travel home. God bless you. See you next time.